Alrighty. Well, guys, we are in the middle of a series that we are calling Unseen Power. And in this series, what we're looking at is what is the Holy Spirit's role in our living lives of faith? But we really haven't got to that yet. We've been doing a lot of foundation work kind of leading up to it. And uh, we've talked about a lot of stuff last week, just to kind of refresh our memory. We spent our time looking at the awesome day of Pentecost, the day when God the Father poured out his spirit on all the Jewish believers there in Jerusalem. And remember what, we, what happened, what we talked about. They were in this room all together, all the believers. They were praying, and uh, suddenly this sound of a mighty rushing wind filled the room, and this, this ball of fire came in, and little pieces of fire came around and landed on everyone, and, and, and it's just this amazing, powerful experience. And, and tell me, what did they begin to do? Speak in these languages. Yeah, all these foreign languages from all over the world, they began to speak it fluently and, and perfectly. And there were these God-fearing Jews from all over the world who happened to be in Jerusalem at the time, and they heard this... Uh, oh, by the way, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Sorry, Seth. They, they heard their language being spoken fluently and perfectly. I mean, it would have been like this. Estoy aquí esta mañana hablando en español, predicando la palabra de Dios a ustedes. And if you were from Mexico, God fearing Jew, you would have understood that that day. It would have been awesome. But being you're not, is that supposed to be a joke, guys? Come on, lighten up second service. <laughs> but all these different languages are being spoken. They're going, how in the world is this happening? Because these are just a bunch of Galileans who they only know one language. They, they shouldn't be speaking this, but they were speaking it fluently. Well, if you remember, Peter got up and he began to preach this long sermon. And he started out the sermon by saying, guys, what you're seeing happen right now is the prophecy that Joel talked about. Where Joel said God was going to pour out, all, pour out his spirit on all people. And what you're seeing right now is the fulfillment of that prophecy. And, it, and, and all the people were sitting back going, wow. I mean, it was this crazy, amazing day. And if you remember, tell me how many people came to Christ that day. Give me a number. 3,000 people. 3,000 became true followers of Jesus Christ because the Spirit of God supernaturally empowered the disciples to accomplish it. An incredibly powerful day that was. Well, today we're going to progress even further in seeing the Holy, how the Holy Spirit was uh, continued to be poured out. And in doing so, we're going to be discussing something that, an occurrence that happened during that time that would have blown the socks off the Jewish people. I mean, this would have just totally rocked the world. And, and this is going to then help us understand what God's intent was with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm assuming when I say the Jewish people or I say the Israelites, you guys are understanding what I mean, right? Um, in case you don't, what I, when I say the Jewish people or Israelites, I'm talking about the descendants of a guy by the name of Abraham. Um, the entire nation of Israel were descendants of Abraham, and that's who I'm talking about when I say the Israelites or the Jewish people. And can anybody tell me, what were the Jewish people known for? What was so special about the Israelite people? They worshiped one God, but what was one other special thing that they're known for? They were chosen. They were the chosen people of God. They were God's special chosen people. 
And that's what made them special. God had chose Abraham from out of the Ur of the Chaldeans, and he made a promise to Abraham. He says, Abraham, your descendants are going to be numerous, which was a pretty powerful promise because his wife, Sarah, was barren. He says, you're going to have numerous offspring. Your offspring are going to be great. Your descendants will be my people. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And God made Abraham all these promises regarding his descendants. So, what I want you to see is Israel was special in the fact that Jehovah was their God. They were his chosen people. Like it says in a few of these verses here, you can see it. To give drink to my people, my chosen. Isaiah 45, for the sake of Jacob, my servant of Israel, my chosen. I will bring forth descendants from Jacob, from Judah, those who will possess my mountains, my chosen people. So what I'm wanting you to see is that there was Israel, God's chosen people, and the rest of the nations of the world who weren't God's chosen people. And those people were known as what? Help me out. Gentiles, exactly. Now, because of greater and deeper reasons I can't get into today, God made it clear to the Jewish people that they needed to separate themselves from the rest of the nations of the world. Okay? They must remain holy. They must remain set apart and not be led into wickedness that these other nations were involved in. And so God even forbid the Israelites from marrying people from other nations to prevent that from happening. He wanted to keep them holy and pure and away from evil. Now, I have to say that over the years, the Jewish people began to take that a little far in the sense that they began to make laws that Jewish people shouldn't even touch a Gentile. They shouldn't even go into their home. They shouldn't even eat or drink uh, off a utensil or off a cup that a Gentile had used because the Gentiles were considered to be unclean. And so you wouldn't want to touch anything that something unclean had touched. And a strict Jew would have abided by those laws. Okay, Even to this day, those who practice Judaism, they abide by those laws. They keep themselves away from Gentiles. I remember when I was in Israel uh, back in 06, uh, we had rented a van, and we were cruising down the road on a Sabbath day. And there was a bunch of these Hasidic Jews that were standing beside the road, and they were kind of hitchhiking because on Sabbath, they're only allowed to take a certain amount of steps, and so they wanted to get a ride for the rest of the way. And so we pulled over, thought, you know, what the heck, we'll give these guys a ride. If we pull over to the side, and the guy hops in, and he's just like, points to the road. And we're like, where do you want to go? I said, well, why don't you go ahead and drive? And so we started driving, and we're like, I'm sitting in the front, and I'm like, so, uh, where are you from? And he wouldn't talk to me. I'm like, do you speak English? And he kind of nods. I'm like, so, do you have a family? He wouldn't talk to me. And finally, he says, he kind of waved his hand, he says, let, let me off here, and he got out there, and we let him off. And we're driving along, I'm like, that was weird. Why wouldn't he talk to us? And the guy I was with, he goes, you know what I think it is? It's because we're Gentiles, and they're not supposed to talk or, you know, um, converse with Gentiles because we're unclean. I thought, well, that's kind of handy. They'll hop in a car and drive 10 miles with a Gentile because it serves their purpose, but they won't talk to me. That's kind of weird. Another experience I had while in Israel, I went to the Holocaust Museum. And it wasn't the big main one. It was just a little one. And I was spending, we were spending some time there, and I was walking around and looking at the pictures 
of just all the atrocities that happen. And guys, man, when you see this, it is just absolutely horrific. And I began to get a little overwhelmed and emotional, and, and I started to just weep. I'm just like, I couldn't believe that this immense amount of evil you know, happened to this group of people. And there was a Hasidic Jew in the, the Holocaust Museum. He was kind of running the show there, and he was just kind of walking there in the, in the room while I was looking at the pictures. And I got so overwhelmed with just what happened to the Jewish people that I thought, you know what, I want to show this man how sorry I am. So I turned to him, and I'm crying. You know me, I'm a big hugger. And so I went up to him like, dude, I am so sorry, you know. And I'm trying to hug him, and he's pushing me away and getting me away like this. And I'm thinking to myself, what is your problem? Why won't you hug me, you know? And it dawns on me, because I'm a dirty Gentile, just big Viking, you know, ugly-looking dude. Of course you're not going to want to touch me. Those are the rules. The problem with this is, was that the Israelite nation began to think that they were the only ones in the entire world that God truly loved. They began to act like God only loved them and hated the rest of the world. The rest of the world was just enemies. So much so that Jews often treated Gentiles with contempt. I mean, after all, they were unclean pagans. So the common Jew despised the unclean Gentiles and wanted nothing to do with them, and they thought they were right in doing so. Okay? Now, I mention that because when God gave Joel the prophecy that he was going to pour out his Spirit on all people, it was assumed that, of course, he only meant the Jews. He was going to pour out his Spirit only on the nation of Israel. No one else. That was a given for any Jewish believer because obviously to them, even God hated Gentiles and wouldn't even consider pouring out his spirit on them. They were unclean. That was the common thought. All the good stuff that God had to offer was thought to be only for the Jew, no one else. But we're going to see how wrong they were. We're going to see that God had the whole world in his sights. And rescuing the whole world was part of his initial plan from the very beginning. Israel, we will see, was simply a vehicle by which he was going to use to rescue the whole world. God was going to rescue even Gentiles, if you can believe that. In fact, you can even see Jesus alluding to it in some of the things he said, like pay attention to this. Jesus is talking to Jewish people here. I can imagine he's preaching. He's bringing the heat, and the Jewish people are loving it, and he's saying, I am the good shepherd. And they're like, that sounds good, Jesus. Yeah, that's awesome. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And like, amen to that, Jesus. Bring it. And he's like, I lay down my life for the sheep. And they're like, preach it, Jesus. Amen. That's just fantastic. And then he says this. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And I can imagine the people going, say what? What are you talking about? Well, he's talking about Gentiles. In fact, if you look at the most famous verse in the Bible, anybody take a guess what the, the most famous verse in the Bible is? John 3, 16, Exactly. It says, for God so loved the, what? World. 
that he gave his son. It doesn't say, for God so loved Israel that he gave his son. No, it says, for God so loved the entire world he gave his son. Jesus didn't just come to rescue the nation of Israel, but all the nations of the world. And like I said, guys, this would have shocked the Jewish people. They would have never seen this coming. And we're going to take a look today at how this began to unfold. Now, due to time, I'm not going to be able to read through this entire story. But I'm just going to, I'm going to tell part of the story, read some of the story, tell part of the story just to be able to progress through it. But I would encourage you sometime this week, get your Bible, open it to Acts chapter 10. In fact, turn to your Bible right now and turn to Acts chapter 10. That's where we're going to be looking. And read the entire account in Scripture because it's an awesome story. This is where the story of how God begins to pour out his spirit even upon the Gentiles. And let's take some time to see how all this went down because this is important for us. Okay, check this out. Kind of starts out like this. There's a guy by the name of Cornelius who lives in a town called Caesarea. And Cornelius was a Roman centurion, and he was from the Italian regiment. And uh, he was a very devout man. He uh, gave a ton of money to the poor. He prayed every day, and just a very devout, godly guy. Well, one day, around 3 p.m., he sees a vision. And in this vision, the, an angel of the Lord comes to him, and he says, Cornelius, your generosity and your prayers have come before the Lord. And he sees what you've done. And he says, Cornelius, here's what God wants you to do. Go to Joppa, and there's going to be a guy in a house there by the name of Simon Peter. He's staying with another man not called Simon the Tanner, and they're, they're right by the sea, right by the Mediterranean Sea there. Go there, tell Simon Peter to come down to your house. So gets done with the vision, kind of shook Cornelius up, and so that's what he does. He sends three very trusted men to go up to Joppa to find this Simon Peter guy. So he, he sends them off. Meanwhile, while this is going on, Peter is up on, in Joppa in this person's house, Simon the Tanner's house, and it's around lunchtime, and so he goes up to the top of the house on the rooftop, and he's waiting for lunch to be made. And while he's there, it says he falls into a trance. And this is what he sees in his trance. Verse 11. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. And the voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Now, to understand this vision, you must understand that God in his law to the Israelites had told them that certain animals were unclean. They were not allowed to eat certain meats. They weren't allowed to eat pork. They weren't allowed to eat reptiles and, and numerous other things because God had declared it unclean. So they didn't eat them. But now all of a sudden, God is telling Peter, hey, Peter, you can kill and eat any of these animals that you're seeing here. And this kind of freaks Peter out, and he's like, no way, God. I'm not going to do that. I have never eaten an unclean animal. And God clearly says to him, 
hey, don't call something impure or unclean if I've made it clean. If I declare something clean, it's clean. Don't argue with me. And three times this happened. So Peter is sitting on the roof, pondering and meditating on what just happened in this vision, and he's thinking, what did God mean by this? What does he mean by that? Well, as he's thinking this, those three guys that Cornelius had sent up from Caesarea, they arrive at the front door. And when these three guys show up at the front door, the Holy Spirit speaks to Peter and says this, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. So Peter goes down and he introduces himself and says, I'm the man that you're looking for. Why have you come? So the men quickly explain to him about what happened to Cornelius. So Peter packs his bags and he heads down with these guys to so go see Cornelius, the Gentile. When Peter gets to the house, Cornelius is so excited to see him, he falls down on his knees, and he, in a sense, get, gets into a posture of worship. And Peter goes, no, Cornelius, get up. I'm just a man just like you. And so Cornelius gets up, and, and they walk into the house, a Gentile house, and he sees a bunch of people in there waiting for him. And this is what he says. Verse 28. He said to them, you're well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objections. May I ask why you sent me? So Cornelius repeats the story of what happened to him. And he says, so we're here and we're waiting to see what it is that God wants you to tell us. And so Peter begins to speak, and pay attention to what he says. I'm going to read a long passage here, so just try to hang with it, especially the beginning. Look at what he says here in the beginning. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from what? Every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as a judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Now, I want you to notice what happens next, because this is an absolutely landmark moment in what God is doing in the whole world. Check this out. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came 
on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, some people who traveled down with, with Peter who were Jews, who had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the what? Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and unknown languages and praising God. And then Peter says, well, man, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked Peter to stay a few more days. Guys, what we just read right there is absolutely huge. The Holy Spirit of God was now all of a sudden being poured out even on Gentiles. What in the world is going on? When God said that he was going to pour out his spirit on all people, man, he must have really meant it on all people. How in the world could this happen? Well, here's how it could happen. God had planned it all along. It was part of his great plan in rescuing the whole world from the kingdom of darkness. He loved both Jews and Gentiles. In fact, in God's eyes, he was showing them that he wasn't making a distinction. He wasn't showing favoritism to either. He loved them both. And this was absolutely mind-blowing for the Jewish people. They had no idea that this was going to happen. In fact, this was a mystery that had been hidden for generations past that no one knew about until Jesus showed up on the scene. And when Jesus showed up, he began to unveil it. He began to pull back the curtain on it and, and allow people to see in, to peek into this amazing mystery. Look at what it says in Matthew 13. This is Jesus talking. He says, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since when? Since the creation of the world. That's how long this mystery has been hidden. And what were these things that were hidden since the creation of the world? Well, this mystery that had been kept for so long, Paul, the apostle, makes it about as clear as you can make it in Ephesians. Let me show it to you. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 4. Paul says this, In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. Here's the mystery. Pay attention to this. The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Members together of how many bodies? One body. And sharers together in the promise of the in the promise in Christ Jesus guys now because of what Jesus had accomplished and the pouring out of the spirit rather than having Jews and Gentiles two separate entities there's now only one in fact what Jesus did kind of took away all the distinctions that people like to hold themselves high in look at what it says here in Galatians you are all sons of God. In other words, you're all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Listen to this. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, 
for you are all, say it with me, one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, what does this mean for all of us? Why am I even spending all this time on this? Here's why. All of what, is, what was talked about today deals directly with us. Can you tell me why? Because we are, we're Gentiles. This deals with us. And the fact that we have been allowed to be grafted into the family of God should make us shout for joy. God loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to this earth to rescue not only the Jewish people, but the whole world. You and me. And now we have the wonderful privilege to be part of the family of God. We have the wonderful privilege of God's Holy Spirit being poured out on us. Think about that. Ponder that. Meditate on that because it is absolutely huge. Because you know what that means now? Here's what it means. Let this sink in. You are now part of God's chosen people. You are chosen by God. That should give us goosebumps hearing that. God has chosen you. God has welcomed us into his family and poured himself into us through his Holy Spirit. His DNA courses through us because of his Spirit. And now because of that, Whitestone, everything is different. We can now live a completely different kind of life. And that's what we're going to be talking about in the upcoming weeks. And I know you're sitting here going, well, when are we ever going to get to it, Luke? You're doing all this foundation stuff. Well, we have to build the foundation to get to the good stuff. I mean, it's all good stuff. We're going to see what an amazing life we can live with with this unseen power flowing through us in the form of the Holy Spirit. But guys, until then, at least for this week, I want to encourage you to simply sit back and bask in the knowledge that God loved you so much, He chose you. He included you in His awesome family. Amen? It's huge. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, man, this is even too big for my brain to comprehend. It's just, it's just amazing. Thank you, God, that you did love the whole world. Thank you that you've grafted us into your family. Thank you that we are now sons and daughters of God. Thank you that we are now sharers in the inheritance that you offer. God, I pray in the upcoming weeks, as we let this sink in, may we also allow the truths of what your Holy Spirit in us can accomplish, allow that to sink in. And may we most of all begin to live it and experience it in our midst. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.